Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Mitch Light of The Athletic. Mitch and I will talk Commodore football and basketball. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. The news today presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt falls to Mississippi State in basketball on Saturday. Final score in that one, 84-81. Scotty Pippen Jr. leads the way with 18 points, 12 assists, and a steal. The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile. Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spy-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. Mitch Light joins me today. Of course, we will talk some Vanderbilt football and basketball, but first, Mitch, the college football playoff is tonight between Ohio State and Alabama. I know you've got to be looking forward to that, as I am as well. Yeah, definitely looking forward to tonight, obviously, since all, just as fans and media, whatever, that's been through this season, cancellations, were there, was there going to be a, uh, all that good stuff that we, we've talked a lot about, and you know, it should be a good game. I really think it will be. Um, you know, I think Alabama's the easy, safe pick. But if Ohio State plays like it did against Clemson, it's got a chance. If it plays like it did against maybe Northwestern for three quarters or Indiana, then it doesn't have a chance. Because I think we know Alabama's going to play well. I think that that's there's there's no if there. I think it's if if Ohio State's able to do some things and, and play well. Tell me if this is crazy, Mitch, and it might be, but when I've watched Ohio State and I've watched Alabama, they both got terrific offenses. I was super impressed with Justin Fields against Clemson. But I watched those teams, and it seems to me like Ohio State's defense is a good bit better than Alabama's from what I've watched. I don't know if that's accurate, but if I didn't know much about the two teams, I think I would walk into this thinking Ohio State might be the better team. Now, 
Now, I've not dug into the numbers and some things like you probably have, but when I watch those teams, I think this could be a very interesting game. I think Ohio State is very, very good offensively. They are an an un... Uh, I I wouldn't say unprecedented because probably Alabama is close, but they are in an unbelievable run of wide receiver recruiting. They're just not as experienced as Alabama wide receiver. Uh, But, you know, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson is super fast. I mean, Jackson Smith in Enigma is, was a top five, top 10 recruit at wide receiver. Julian Fleming was the number one wide receiver last year. He's a freshman. Um, the, the, the emergence of Trey Sermon gives them a great running game. Their offensive line is good. It's not Alabama good. So their offense is, is potentially fantastic. Um, defensively, they're good in the defensive line. They're not great in the back end. They've made some changes there. Um, they're not great at safety. Um, so, you know, I, from an overall roster standpoint, you know, they're, you can go to, there's, you know, ways to look it up. They're clearly two of the top, they're probably the top two rosters in the country. Uh, you know, I think uh, LSU and Clemson would be in the discussion, but I think Ohio State has a better overall roster, which we saw against against Clemson. So I don't think, I wouldn't say Ohio State's the better team, um, but I think they're pretty close. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that the one big difference is the offensive line where Ohio State's is, is really good and Alabama's is as good as it gets, although they're without Landon Dickerson, their center there. So that might be an opportunity for, for Ohio State's interior, uh, which has been good. Supposedly some COVID issues there. Haskell Garrett's playing. Uh, but if, they, if they're missing a key bot player up front on that defense, that's not going to be a good thing for Ohio State. Let's switch the subject to Vanderbilt basketball. The Commodores have had two close losses to Mississippi State and Kentucky since we last did an episode with you, Mitch. What are your thoughts on the team so far? Well, clearly um, much better play this past week. I think we spoke last week, and the the most recent game was the Florida game, which was a very poor showing. Uh, It's a, you know, I think the TV broadcast said it, but it's it's unbelievable how – well, Vanderbilt has played at Rupp without picking up a win with some good teams and not so good teams um, against some great teams and not so, and some average Kentucky teams, I guess you'd say. But having double digit leads, I don't know if there's a double digit lead last week, uh, last week, but the, the Vanderbilt had some leads, um, you know, probably played about as well as they could play up at Kentucky. And in the end, it came down to, you know, Kentucky making a big shot and Vanderbilt missing one, you know, Miles Studi, uh, you know, he's been a good shooter so far. I bet he'll think about that shot the rest of his college career. He had an open three and he just uh, airballed it. I don't, you know, got tight. I don't know what it was. And then that Max Evans shot w- w- was close. So I-, I thought Vanderbilt did, did a really good job there. Obviously had trouble keeping um, Olivier Saar off the line there. And then the Mississippi State game was very, was weird. Just a weird game. Um, you know, I, th- I don't think this wasn't necessarily the game plan for Vanderbilt. But in college basketball, you, you can win giving up a lot of twos if you protect the three-point line. And that's kind of what happened. I don't think that was necessarily the plan. Mississippi State, obviously, a very athletic team. Vanderbilt had trouble guarding them. I think a lot of teams have trouble guarding Mississippi State because they're so athletic. And, you know, Vanderbilt did a much better job on the boards, but just some key offensive putbacks for for Mississippi State. I thought great play set up by a stack at the end there. I thought it was probably bad defense by Mississippi State, although they – I don't – I didn't watch the replay a hundred times. I don't know if they knocked the ball away from Scottie Pippen or – he just lost it, but you could tell from that angle behind the, the the Mississippi State bench that if he gets by that one guy, it's a three on two, and he can either you know someone can pull up for a three, he can drive the lane, he can kick all that. So 
I like the fact that Stackhouse has kind of defined some roles. I thought earlier in the year, and you know, there's so many guys playing, it was hard to, for guys to get into a rhythm. We we saw some signs from DJ Harvey, uh, which was good. This team needs DJ Harvey to be good. You know, one of the issues defensively is is probably the two best offensive guards right now are Scotty Pippen and Trey Thomas, but not a good defensive backcourt. I think Scotty Pippen's improved this year, but it's hard when you're at, when you're playing 35 minutes a game and you're the team's primary scorer. It's hard to expect him to be a you know a lockdown defender, even if he could be. So that's an issue. And then obviously the size problem we talked last week. And Quentin Malore Brown can do some things on a pick and roll, but he gets pushed around in there. And you know just this team, and I don't want to pin it on you know one guy, but you know Educao Ben is a guy that I know the previous staff really liked a lot, and he just he's pretty much the same player that he was when he got to Vanderbilt. You know he he's a guy that had he developed and given him a a presence inside, and and Cleavon Brown's last two years have been a wash to injuries, and you know hopefully they get him back soon. So signs of signs of life, signs of improvement. You can see a core developing and getting better, uh, a young core, and there's some young guys I know that they're that are talented that aren't even playing right now. So you know, de- definitely a brighter outlook, brighter picture than at this time last week. I'm looking on KenPalm.com. I don't know how they pick their All-SEC team, but they've got a five-man team up right now. Scottie Pippen is third on that list. Cameron Thomas, the freshman at LSU, is first. Xavier Pinson at Missouri is second. So there's that. He's also seventh in usage rate now, which is down from seventh nationally. Usage rate, of course, is the percentage of possessions you use through a shot that's not rebounded by your own team or through turnovers. So that's not changed a whole lot. Basically, this is still a team that it's got to hit a lot of shots as it did the other night if it wants to have a chance and just really a very thin margin between Scottie Pippen Jr. and what's left. What this team, you know, needs is more consistency from its role players or, you know, whatever you want to call them. Jordan Wright was fantastic against Kentucky. Um, if you just kind of watch the game and you didn't know much about either team, you'd say he's one of the better players on, on, on either roster. But, you know, we know that's not consistent. And, you know, Max Evans has not, for whatever reason, has not uh, had the senior year that we thought he was capable of. Um, so they, other than the, you know, missing the, the some size, they're, they're, I think there are enough talented players. They just don't get the consistency they need from all of them. And some of from freshmen, you're probably not going to expect it, but you need it from Dylan DeSue, who's I think showing signs of being a, a more consistent player. Um, but um, yeah, it's just, and, and you know, it'd be interesting to see how, you know, I know Tyron Lawrence came back and uh, played a few minutes and Isaac McBride's been hurt. Um but it'll be interesting to see later in the year as the year progresses if he just sticks with a tighter rotation or tries to work some of those guys in. You know, it's clear McBride's a talented offensive player. Dak has made some comments about his defense and, you know, that Trey Thomas was kind of more ready to play. Um, so, yeah, there's, again, interesting parts just needs to come together and need need a consistent need consistent play from the role players. It is what it is at this point. They're not going to be a very good defensive team. I'm looking at the Ken Palm ratings. They're just not good at anything on defense other than they're fairly good in rebounding, which is odd because that was a Jerry Stackhouse complaint a couple of weeks ago. But I think it's just going to be can they out three-point people, and they did that pretty well on Saturday, and it still wasn't quite good enough. I just see this team – I know this is no news, but they just can't defend in the post. They're not very good off the dribble. So, again, I just think it's a 
a pretty thin line they've got that's got to get corrected and recruiting pretty soon. Yeah, and um, it's it's like I said, Max Evans again, one of the better defensive players on the roster. And you know, if you you got to get more from him offensively, I guess that they have the ability. At least that's one player who who can defend. Um, but you know, he's not producing offensively and clearly not comfortable playing him major minutes right now. So, you know, I think Trey Thomas was in the game down the stretch against Kentucky and pulled the very end there. And then over Max, I think that was it. But then Max came in there, obviously both, maybe someone fouled out or forgot, but uh, yeah. And maybe this is just revisionist history and we're, we're kind of living in the moment. So we see the warts of certain teams more, but obviously these were better rosters, but it just seems like looking back four years, six years, you know, eight years ago, guys like when, when they were younger, like, when Jeff Roberson was young coming off the bench, like a Steve chain gang coming off the bench. I know I'm going way back there. It's just like you, 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 some of those teams had really clearly defined roles where you knew what, or Lance Goldborn, you knew what you were getting for eight or 10 minutes. And I just feel like you don't, you don't know what you're getting from some of these guys. Again, that might be just overgeneralizing things, but that's just kind of looking back how I think, how I remember things. Yeah, that's a good point. I think if you go back to vintage Kevin Stallings, which would have been, I'm going to say where they started with the, Foster Byers run through really the Jenkins, Tinsley, Azili time where they were going to the tournament every year. I just look at this roster and I think, okay, who would be playing a lot of minutes, say in their top eight on the rotation? And to me, it's I think Pippen would have found a role in there. Obviously, he's a very good player. I think DeSue had a shot, maybe as the sixth, seventh, eighth guy. Other than that, I don't see anybody on this team getting minutes for that bunch. I think Miles Studi's talented enough from what I've seen, athletic enough. I think he could. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- that's why those teams were good. They were really good rosters. And, you know, we don't need to re- rehash the whole Kevin Stallings here. He had a great run. He's, I think it was seven tournaments in 11 years, some really talented rosters. Um, and th- th- some of them were deep. Some of them weren't as deep, but some of them were. And had, you know, guys like Lance, like Lance Goldberg coming off the bench. Um, really good player there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's about – recruiting it's about evaluating i mean I, you look at the roster now i don't know there there were some top you know most of the guys in this roster are probably fringe 150 guys seems like stallings ha- had the occasional top 100 guy well you you never know so if you are jerry stackhouse and it's your job to pick a starting lineup and a bench of guys who play more than five minutes. Cause you're always going to have a guy that'll play two or three, yeah. but guys that you trust to log more than five minutes a game in conference play. And you know, your answer can be, Hey, I'll have a one man bench and I'll play six guys or I'll have a five man bench and I'll play 10. But if you're coaching this team, how do you resolve that? You know, that's a good question. I'm, I'm jotting down. I, I mean, I think I think Trey Thomas has to be, you know, the name of the game is scoring points. I know you can't give up a ton of points, but he, he's, he's consistently shown he can shoot the ball. So, you know, Pippen Thomas, I think here's the best players, Pippen Thomas, the Sioux, Studi, and then from what I saw from Jared, uh, from DJ Harvey, now that's a small team there. So uh, yeah, I know you didn't necessarily ask for starters, you asked for a rotation. I think I'd keep Quentin Melora Brown in there. I thought what he played on Saturday was a good rotation with the good minutes, good mix and all that stuff. I didn't, I wasn't there sitting there saying, Oh, you got to put this guy in more, give this guy more minutes. You know, part of it's, you know, Lawrence was just coming back, I believe from being out and some guys weren't available. So there weren't as many options there. So I've got no issue with who's playing in the rotation. Yeah. What he did on Saturday 
is, let's see, DeSue goes 27, Melora Brown goes 25, Pippen 34, Evans 19, Harvey 28, Wright 13, Thomas 22, Studi 21, and then Obina gets eight and Lawrence gets three. The weird guy in all this to me is Jordan Wright because some nights he pops up and gives you 15 points or so and, and plays 25 minutes, and then on other days like the state game, he just sort of disappears. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of mentioned earlier, if you watch the Kentucky game, he was one of the better players on the floor. This is probably not true, but some games maybe the athleticism gets to him. Like Mississippi State's probably a more athletic team than Kentucky, but maybe that's you know not true. He just hit some shots. He he plays with confidence a lot. Um, I jokingly say, you know, in this, he probably leads the league in getting his shots blocked. It's because a lot of times he's not afraid to go in there and take the ball to the hole, and I think that's a good trait. Okay, I want to talk about Clark Lee's football staff. Now, Clark was hired December the 14th. It's now January the 11th as we do this. And Vanderbilt is still without coordinators. I want to get your thoughts on this because some people have been, I guess, a little bit alarmed by this. I don't know what the answer is, by the way. And and I think that five years ago, okay, this would have been different maybe where you've got early signing day or you have signing day. You don't have an early signing day. And you've got to get your players – uh, you know, by the first week of February, you've got commitments, you've got official visits. So it's a completely different environment now. But what do you make of him not having coordinators named at this point? Is it a big deal in this day and age of college football where the, the what's now the late signing period, which used to be the only signing period, uh, really the way that's done now has really changed timelines and things like that? You know, I think you made the point. Like, it's not a – it's not really a big deal in this year more than any year because Vanderbilt has um, moved the start because of COVID has moved the start of the second semester to late January. Ordinarily, I think they'd be back in depth. I know they'd be back in school by now or, or this week. So the, the players aren't back yet. Um, so, uh, you know, the early signing period guys are signed. If you ask Clark when he got hired, would you, like to have your coordinators by a certain date. I'm sure he probably would have said, yeah, that'd be ideal. But, you know, maybe he's close to doing it. Maybe by the time people listen to this podcast, they'll be there. So I'm more curious than anything. I don't think there's any reason for alarm at at all. Um, So, but I think your point, your original, the premise of your question was if this is five years ago, yeah, it's probably, it's a much bigger deal because you're going longer while recruiting. You got guys on campus. You want your players to meet the coordinators and all that stuff. So, I'm sure it'll happen very soon. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll find out why it took so long or maybe went up some guys and didn't work out. So, you know, we just don't know. Are you ready for the mailbag? Let's go. Our mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of all your insurance needs. Call Josh today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuminthonhq or at facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. Josh is my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about his business on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Buperior says, how much do you think Vanderbilt's in-state recruiting will improve under Coach Clark Lee? Uh, I would suspect it would improve. I know that talent is improving. I think there's a good 2022 class. It's, you know, you've got a, a local product who 
who played at the school. So I think it'll improve considerably. Um, I think it's, it doesn't happen in a vacuum though. So it happened, you know, what's Tennessee's recruiting look like is Jeremy Pruitt still the coach. Do they have a new coach who, you know, I mean, every Tennessee coach obviously wants to recruit in, recruit in state, but Tennessee also recruits nationally, you know, so, you know, what are some of the other schools in the conference doing, but I think there's no doubt it will improve and be a bigger focus for the staff. Mitch, uh, one place I think they can get better is NBA, which is where Clark Lee went. I'm trying to think. I don't think they've had a scholarship player from Montgomery Bell Academy since Derek Mason took the job. That's a good question. Um, I can't remember one. That's a good question. And I wonder, I'd like to see how many guys, you know, seem like, Ten years ago, if it was a good player from in-state, it was Brentwood Academy or NBA. Now it's the talent is so much more dispersed. Um, you know, CPA is producing a lot of good players. But that's a good question. Um, you know, we'd have to look. I, I can't recall one off the top of my head. They've always had walk-ons, or for the most of the time they have. But I, scholarship players, I'm trying to think who the last one was, and that it just is not coming to me. I don't know that Derek recruited that school very hard. Of course, Clark has got a pretty good end there. Speaking of that – is Tyson Chandler landed anywhere yet? No, he has not. He's not, and uh, he's probably one of the better running backs on the on the on the uh, transfer market. So, I you know don't know his situation, but I'm sure he's in demand. Next question from Baseball Bros. Now that we've seen three SEC games so far, what's your projected record for Vanderbilt basketball? In other words, how many SEC wins will this team have? I think there's probably about four or five teams at the top, and then. There's a lot of average teams after that. Um, so, you know, I, I think if this team continues to play like it did this past week, it can be five and 13, maybe a little better, a little worse. But, um, you know, we, you know, we might be singing a different tune uh, either optimistically or, or pessimistically next week. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see the two, obviously two tough games this week and kind of a uh, unprecedented situation playing Tennessee back to back. So we'll, we'll see how they do offensively against what can be one of the better defensive teams in the country. Mitch, thanks for joining us today. We had some massive technical issues today, which hopefully most of these get edited out as our listeners hear this. But uh, thank you for your time. Tell folks where they can find you on Twitter and anything that you guys are doing at The Athletic that's worth promoting. You can find me at Mitch Light and still doing the SEC podcast, Football and Grits. I think at least for another week we're doing daily shows. I do the Thursday show with David Ubbin, then I think in the offseason we'll probably go to weekly after that. Thank you for your time, Mitch. No problem, Chris. Take care. He's Mitch Light. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast. We will have more episodes coming your way later this week.